You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover magic, the gathering finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty, guys. Welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast. First off, I want to apologize that I have no video. I have a lovely photo up that actually has something to do with today's episode. Uh, so this week, the week before Gen Con, is the National Sports Card Convention. And this week, we're going to cover what that means and how it relates to magic, what this kind of show entails for the industry and the hobby, how that differs from what you see in gaming and what kind of analogs and stuff like that there are. So with that, let's get it started. Yep. So you mentioned this is the National Sports Card Convention. So uh, this is NSCC 23 <laughs> or 2023. I think it's the hashtag on Twitter. Uh, if you follow us, you've seen that we've been basically retweeting a bunch of stuff for the last couple of days. What exactly yeah. is the National, though? Like, So the National is basically the largest sports show in the world. Uh, it This year they added a fourth, fifth conference room, basically. Yep. Imagine if every vendor for Magic were in a room, every large established vendor, and triple it. And that's the size of the event you're looking at. I mean, some of the stuff here is just insane. You've got your run-of-the-mill sports cards. You've got game-worn jerseys of Mickey Mantle. You've got tickets from world series in the past and it's a room where a bunch of people that share a passion for a hobby get together and spend entirely too much money yes uh cash cards is here for one Kyle, uh, bash McAllister is here as well uh there's just a lot of crossover okay uh, and okay. it's just a ton of fun and really cool to see yeah uh earlier we tweeted out uh, there were no vendors in the space but it looked like uh, booth space had started to have been allotted and they were driving the floor and fast forward and they showed you what 600,000 square feet of convention center look like um, and it's ridiculous I've seen a yeah. million square foot warehouse before and mm -hmm. like it, the majority, overwhelming majority of it wasn't used, it was unlit so yeah. it's really interesting to see that 600,000 square feet can be full of just sports card vendors or sports card parallel yeah vendors. yeah oh. and there's also some interesting stuff going on like um this morning they tweeted out that the captain had arrived and for those of you who don't follow baseball at all that's Derek jeter and they were just carting him around in a golf cart they had a um i don't know if it's still there but it was this exhibit was open for like two or three hours you could hold a game used bat from babe uh, babe ruth yep so there's all this kind of like actual like ancillary stuff going on as well related to sports while you're there yeah. and that's not to say that there isn't some other odds and ends there i saw a garbage pal kids um like fortune teller kind of display called yeah. adam bomb you could put i guess yeah. like a, a bill in and it would spit out something nobody was really sure if it was packs or singles or or what nobody interacted with it yet but all that yeah, kind of stuff there too um, well, and the other interesting thing is uh, the robot chicken cards are here. I did not know so those they, were a thing. Yeah, so the, basically at SDCC one year, 
Uh, Magic the Gathering partnered with Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Lovett, and Evan Goldberg, who were friends that play Magic, and made them cards. So oh, there's seven of right. as well as the robot chicken. And the f- one full set is here at one of the booths. Oh, that's cool. So, And, you know, there's Magic playtest cards here. There's Illustrator Pikachus, Poncho Pikachus. There's all kinds of stuff from all over gaming as well. And it really is just a, like cardboard degenerate festival yeah. with a bunch of analogs too i think i saw somebody said that they they either founded a booth or were bringing to the event uh is it tops pogs from the simpsons a yeah. sealed box yeah, yeah. Like, i saw the tops pogs at a booth yeah like all that kind of stuff is there too so what is the national it starts with sports cards and it just kind of trickles down into like memorabilia and then collectibles and a little bit of nostalgia it kind of seems yep um, yeah, and for the sports card and paralleled collectible communities, what does this event mean for them? This is this is the really interesting thing, and this kind of gets into, I guess, attendees as well. Uh, it means a hub for literally anyone that is passionate about the hobby here because it's not just your ultra high end stuff. Okay. There are multiple booths with just dollar boxes. I, there, there is one booth that is six, eight foot tables and it is just dollar boxes. So you get kids, you get people digging for gold, just like picking bulk. Uh, and it really is this awesome way to just have a like place for the community to come and gather. And the really interesting thing is, you know, obviously, since the pandemic, uh, there's been a lot of overlap between sports and other collectibles, thanks to Gary Vee, Logan Paul, all these influencers uh, that have brought people to the gaming side of the hobby. There's literally gaming companies here that don't do any other sports shows except the national, but they do every Collecticon. They do all of the TCG cons. That's right. Uh, Steel City is out there, I saw. Yes, Steel City's here, uh, Blowout's here, Dave and Adams is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Like, you know, it, it's absolutely wild to see this stuff. Cash Cards is literally here. Cassius Marsh was in the lobby today. Uh, I mean, it, it's just wild. There was a vendor I went by that had sealed, empty boxes of magic, including Arabian Nights, Legends, Antiquities. Those are not easy to find. And they knew what the market was, but they said, look, this is the only sports event we do. Other than this, we do gaming. Mm -hmm. And their cases belied that fact because they had half their booth with sports, but then the gaming was just stacked with stuff. Uh, And it's, it's just really nice to see this kind of like central hub for people that are passionate about collecting cardboard. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's really what, got a lot of us into this in the first place was magic was a collectible game that we played with friends. And then we realized these have value. We can trade them. We can collect our play sets, collect our decks, get cards we like. And it feels like a place where people can get back to those basics. And I think that's huge for the community. in general. So from my understanding, when it comes to like sports cards events in particular, it's just a lot of like weekend warrior kind of stuff. It's localized to either yeah. regions or or states, and it feels just like a bunch of dudes that want to dig through five rows for their team or their player. And then there are vendors there with slab stuff for people who are actually like 
there to care. It's not like big and over the top like this is. This kind of seems like yeah. the Vegas equivalent for for magic. Is that really the case when you look at other sports cards events? Is it is the difference really like that big between them? Between the national and the, and the rest of them? I I'd say so, but I I'd actually almost rather than liken it to Vegas, I would liken it to actually Gen Con. Okay. Uh, which interestingly enough, those events are always on back to back weekends every year. Um, because it is something where, you know, Vegas is primarily about magic. Yeah. Gen Con is about magic, but has a bunch of other stuff too. There's all these panels. There's the game museum where it's a copy of every game they've ever demoed. You have all these tournaments, events, stuff like that. And at the national, you have a bunch of panels. You have people, you know, famous people there signing, not just artists like you would at a Gen Con. And you have bounties at a booth where you can just take the card straight to the booth uh, and get $40,000 for yeah. it. There's companies offer items that are exclusive to the national. So you have to be one of the first people to spend so oh. much money at their booth. Were those the silver and, packs? Yes. So silver packs are part of that. Okay. Um, another big part of that is uh, each company, in addition to having their silver packs, has a wrapper redemption. And what that means is basically Tops or Panini, who are the two manufacturers, as well as Leaf, which is a third. Uh, they say, okay, if you buy our products from these booths and you bring us the receipt, we will give you for free an amount of national exclusive that you can have. And that's actually really cool because it's a way for the manufacturers to partner with stores directly at the event, which is not something you see outside of like the pin stuff that you're starting to see at magic cons. Uh, but it, it's just really interesting to see that because there's, you know, this is the 43rd national. So it's been going for a while. Oh, wow. Uh, 80-ish. Yeah. I, it's insane. Um, but it's, you have that kind of gathering of a little bit of everything and trying to get people involved Whereas I feel like Vegas and most magic events, your your involvement is voluntary. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. choose to do it and they don't make a whole lot of effort to get you involved. Whereas this is literally like you can just do the thing you're going to do here and we'll reward you for it. You're going to buy product here. We'll reward you for it anyways. And that makes it more like Gen Con to me than like a Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Now. Yeah the sports comparison like the next biggest show you have is dallas uh, which is every other month and that is effectively the origins to the nationals gen con it's the little brother but it's got its own established like franchise there you know it's basically for just a grand prix if you were to compare the national as vegas dallas is seattle where you can have an insane event absolutely but they're just consistently good is really what it is Okay. So, because it's just this kind of sundry event, it doesn't really compare to anything else in the sports card world. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about TCGCon a while ago and how that eventually brought in sports, and they seem to have an interesting, like, derivation there where you might have, like, actual players show up like autograph sessions mm -hmm. Is that like 
and stuff like that happens at the national, but does that happen at smaller events too? Do you usually see players come into smaller sports cards events? So you will see players, but it's not going to be the caliber, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, This is basically like, you know, if you go to, uh, a large pre-release that a store does. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll get like, you know, if you're in Northern Illinois, you'll probably get Jeff Laubenstein to show up. Uh, it's mostly like local guys that they don't have to fork out a bunch of money to have this person come out and offer the service at the event. Got it. Um, so it, it, it is like very pomp and circumstance oriented, similar to, you know, the Magic 25 Las Vegas, the Magic 30 Las Vegas, where it is this celebration almost. Yeah. Uh, and it is like a bigger than the community kind of deal. Okay. Interesting. So as an attendee of the National, like, what can you expect? You know, year one, let's say. You're going in blind. What would your expectation be? Uh, the reasonable expectation I would say people should have is treat it like the Louvre. Uh, and what that means is basically, you know, anyone, you know, you ask someone, hey, I'm going to the Louvre. What should I expect? Uh, well, you're not going to see everything in one day. That's uh, yeah, 600,000 square feet. Yeah, there's no way uh, because it's not like eight foot tables. I mean, it is eight foot tables, but you'll see a guy that has. I mean, today, uh, for example, you know, I'm, I'm at the event, obviously. I found a booth where a guy had a playbook that was used by a Notre Dame coach from the 40s with provenance. That's just, that's like a museum. Yeah. And that's what, you know, where I think the Louvre comparison is fairly compelling because that's not something you're ever going to see again. Like, you're just not. No. And you can expect everything from stuff like that to, I don't know how many, you know, error cards I saw today. Oh, okay. Uh, It's got cool misprints like that. And it's literally whatever you like doing. I guarantee there's 10 vendors that specialize in just that specific thing. Okay. Whatever it is. There's there's a guy who has uh, his whole booth. It's like three eight-foot tables of non-sports autographs. Uh, he has 12 Walt Disney's sitting there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's... I, it's absolutely nuts. Yeah. Okay. So it really is like anything and everything, basically. Yeah. You can expect there, and to, you should treat it like you said, like the Lou. You're not going to see everything in one day. You're going to need to make it back multiple times. Yeah. Whereas I feel like with, you know, even Vegas the first year, uh, it, everything was pretty much there in one day. Like, you could see it all. You could yeah. make it out. It wasn't really that hard. Um, so how long does the National actually run? Uh, if you Like, for a standard attendee non-VIP ticket, is it Thursday to Sunday or Friday to Sunday? Thursday to Sunday, and it does keep, like, anime show hours of 10 to 6. Okay. Um, is there a VIP day? Yes, Wednesday is the VIP day. There's also a VIP area with, as you would expect, its own restroom, which yeah. is of critical importance. Oh, of course. Um, do you also get like VIP hours or anything on the con floor on regular days? Oh, you do get in an hour and a half before everybody else if okay. you have the VIP early access badge, because that is separate from your standard VIP badge. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, and so Wednesday access is... Um, 
are vendors still setting up? So setup is Tuesday from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then Wednesday from 8 a.m. to 1. And the hall opens for early access at 3 p.m. Okay. So unlike most magic events, there's actually like, we're giving you time to go get lunch if you want. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. That's definitely really nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. So as a vendor, then, I guess this question is really nebulous. What can you expect? Maybe we want to break that up into like as a sports card only vendor versus a TCG vendor. What can you expect? A sports card only vendor, I think there's a lot of like, this is literally just throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because whatever you're selling, again, someone will be there to buy a large quantity of it. Like you will find a market. Now that said, it may not be till a day or two into the event that they make their way to your booth. But it's a much more like specialty customer profile because one of the things is obviously this event's been going on for 40 plus years. So you have a lot of brand loyalty for people that only see you one time a year. Oh, okay. Which is absolutely fascinating because on the magic side, like you got to be there for a bit before anyone cares. Mm-hmm. Like you have to establish yourself and you have to make regular appearances because the second you're out of, you know, relevance that you stop showing up people forget who you are it it just doesn't matter yep and that's one of the really unique things about it is whatever you're bringing someone will be there to buy it whereas there's plenty of times like i don't want to bring alpha power to magicon whatever birmingham alabama you know i'm I'm not going to move there uh the other thing you can really expect is if you're a sports vendor, there's going to be a lot of business to business, um, booth to booth specifically. Okay. Uh, now, if you're you know vending any TCG stuff at all, again, there's quite a few like TCG vendors that have been walking around, shopping stuff. Uh, Bash posted a box of versus Destiny earlier today that a vendor had. Um, just just stuff like that. That's you'll have vendor to vendor oh it is a sealed box in immaculate condition uh but you'll have people come up like hey um i specifically vend pokemon can i buy your all of your pokemon slabs uh and that's with tcg is the big difference here compared to a lot of the normal magic events is you have those people that are just straight up um i'm a business but i don't have a booth will you deal with me oh i see what you're saying okay i thought you meant this was then the Pokemon example that it was booth to booth, not like. Nope, it's someone it. off the street that runs a shop. Yeah, uh, you know, there's like cash. You know, he'll walk up to people and be like, "Hey, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and make an offer for everything you have here." The yeah. other thing is, you'll get a lot of vendors who don't know what they have. Uh, there was a guy that had a magic binder here, and he had demonic consultations for fifty cents. Just no idea. Yeah, because that card was nothing uh, forever, right? So why would you reprice it if nobody in your store is buying magic? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the really interesting things about it is you do get deals like that that you just would never in your wildest dreams expect to see. Okay. But a lot of those business-to-business deals are just someone off the street that happens to deal in TCGs that's like, hey, I can provide this thing. 
I would like this item and I will give you money for it so that you don't have to deal with it. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things is in the sports side, people are way more amenable to that. They're fine with, Hey, I don't know this and you want to deal with it and I don't make it disappear. It's just really nice. Yeah. Okay. So I guess like then it's pretty clear cut on both sides. We should suggest there's somebody for everybody there as a vendor. It doesn't yeah. matter what you do. There will be Almost. somebody that will be interested in something that you have. So you can expect exactly. to basically just shove on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As a vendor, is is this like a buy sell, a buy show or a sell show, or is it just an everything show? Everything. Okay. Uh, it's It's very much everything. Now, some people, obviously, based on like the relationships you've built over the years, you may have kind of catered it to be more of a buy show for yourself or a sell show. But that's, again, like something you have established yourself over time. And, and it is very malleable in that regard that, you know what, I want to come in and leave with no cards and all cash. Great. People will gravitate towards that. They know. It, it's just really interesting to see that because at you know gaming events and even Gen Con, it's, it's always, I want to be doing buying. I make my money on the buys. Yeah. And sure, obviously selling is where you generate revenue, but based on what you buy it at, that's where you've got it. Um, And the other really interesting thing about this, because in the TCG world, there's no such thing as inventory that isn't, doesn't have to be immediately liquid. You want to churn everything all the time. There are a number of vendors here that literally stock national inventory year round. Oh, they so just set it aside for the national? Because they know I am buying this knowing I'm going to move it there. Yep, okay. And that's, even Gen Con does not do that for gaming. Yeah. Uh, Gen Con and Dragon Con are, those are the two yeah. cons you look at and you say, okay, what are we going to bring to the show as you are getting ready for the show, not mm-hmm. eight months ahead of time? Like, oh, this exactly. would be cool at... Um, a rarities yeah. piece for magic, yeah, you're probably looking at it as sure, like, you know. like this is for Gen Con. Yeah, but you might just list it for ridiculousness ahead of time, and if it sells, it sells, and if it doesn't, then you know it'll oh, well, be Gen Con. It's more like your backup plan. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Your your main okay. So as a vendor at the national, like what is expected of you from both an event standpoint and an attendee standpoint? Uh, attendee standpoint is basically don't be a dick. Um, That's fair. Which I think is fairly reasonable. Uh, don't be a dick. Try to be reasonable. Be helpful. From like the event standpoint, and this is what's really fascinating compared to, you know, magic events. Look, man, you paid for the booth. I don't care if you're here or not. Oh. You don't have to okay. show up. That's you, we already got your money. Yep. It doesn't matter to us. And they're not looking like. They're not Konami. They don't, they're not looking for a dress code or anything like that at the show. Uh, no, just the standard, you know, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Yep. Okay. Other than that, absolutely. There's no, like, you need button downs, you need long sleeve, short sleeve, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, people wearing jerseys. I was going to say, there's, there's most yeah. likely a number of booths who have their own store jerseys. like Exactly, like yeah. 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 Uh, in regards to attendee expectation of a vendor... Going back to the idea that this is your brand, like you build brand loyalty here, do people expect when they work with you and they're excited to work with you again that you have a digital presence? 
No, there's a number of people, including one of my favorite vendors here who, you know, anytime someone asks, you know, do you have a website? He says, look, I'm an 81 year old man. I don't know how the internet works. <laughs> look, at least he's upfront about it. But I mean, the yeah. local sports card shop is very much one of those like brick and mortar only anyway. You stop in because you see it while you're driving by. Or, exactly. God forbid somebody still has a yellow pages. You know? And exactly. you found it in there. So, like, uh, yeah. and that makes sense. I figured the answer was going to be no, because that's just how that, you know, this industry has worked for so long. And mm-hmm. there's not a huge reason to change it when eBay is one of your best outs. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And the, the last question we have for the first part here is uh, you mentioned that tomorrow morning. Um, yeah. We were thinking about recording this like like last minute for us because you were going to yeah. be on site for the booth lottery. Yeah. What so is this? The, the way the booths are handed out at this event. So every year of the national, a new priority group is added. So – your priority group is what order in which you get to pick your booth. So if you are priority zero, you did not sign like you signed up before the first one even happened. So you get to pick your booth. Well, obviously there's limited spaces. So now this is the 43rd national. Anyone that signs up for a booth this year that has never signed up before gets priority 43. Whoa. Now, yeah. So there are only so many booth spots. If enough spots open up that a later priority group can pick, but say there's 300 vendors in that, but they only have 10 spots, they do a lottery. That's how you get in, is you're one of those people selected. Now, if you skip a year, you are allowed to skip one in five years. Okay. If you skip more than one, you lose priority and have to go to the back of the line. What? Okay. Uh, and that's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely brutal, but the amount of money and everything that comes in here, you're really disincentivized to skip. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it just makes for a very interesting situation because, you know, you may not get picked on the lottery, but you still hold your priority. So if you're priority 43, but you don't get picked, well, then next year a new priority group gets added and you're above them. Now, the thing is, once you're in, you're in. So that's how it's been growing is if you skip your one in five, that's a slot for somebody else to come in. They get to keep their booth and you get to keep yours. So every year it's been expanding, which is a really interesting way to have a growth profile because obviously with Magic, you've got, you know, your 10 to 15 vendors and you'll never have more than that. And that's kind of the interesting thing here is no, they want to grow it more and more and more. Yep. Okay. So that idea is kind of similar to the anime shows that I've done where you're basically just given priority over the others that are there as <clears throat> non-sponsor vendors. And yeah. you get to hold your booth during the scrum until you lock in or any number of yeah. booths until the scrum and then you lock, you cash out effectively with your maximum number of booths. So something that happens at Anime Boston, for instance, is that um, sometimes Crunchyroll and Funimation fight 
and one of them will actually block off the entire first vendor hall. Oh, wow. While they're deciding exactly what booth layout they want. And then when they unlock it, that's when the next one can step in. And it's just kind of funny to watch as, like, as that happens and, um, like, the local Boston book vendor that generally lines, like, three quarters of the walls is just waiting to to get their spot. Um, And then for Anime Expo, it was similar in that... uh, I don't think there's a priority on it, but you definitely built seniority mm-hmm. for other vendors that weren't sponsors of the event for the event. Yeah. And if you missed with notice, it did not really impact you for the next year. You were still brought in, but I think a second miss basically put you on the wait list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, do you know how the, the booths are chosen before the event starts? Uh, in terms of like which booth you get, yeah, yeah, on the floor itself. Yeah, yeah. So that is lottery system same. Like okay. when you pick, because within each priority group, obviously, like not all priority sevens are created the same. You know, yep. someone yep. signed up for yep. that before the other sevens. Uh, they get to pick their spot. Now, same deal. Corporate sponsors. Hey, man, you're forking out at least six figures. You can pick your spot before anybody else. That's fine. Uh, is the one unfair advantage i guess that they get so on the floor itself though are you just given one of the numbers or do you actually get to choose that like a booth number or do you get to choose your booth number from a zone or something like that for priority seven for instance to stick with that yeah so you do get to pick your booth number and layout okay based on what's still available at your spot all right cool and like when you when you're in the national itself are there like Mm -hmm zones inside that room or is it just kind of like everything everywhere? Oh, there are actually um like there's the grading company area where you've got not just psa and pgs cgc sgc yep. you have like tag hga uh the company channel started like there's a bunch of grading companies in there then there's your breakers pavilion then there's your i guess you would say your app area where it's like different softwares you can use to check prices because there's okay. no unified marketplace like there is with TCGs. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of like, you know, it's really interesting. You know, we talk about the tools that we use and the ones that you've developed, like that stuff is insanely relevant in sports cards. Technology is so important there. Uh, and it's interesting to see because a lot of these companies, like they make their debut here. Okay. And they've got their own area, and then you have, you know, effectively all those areas are dead center in the room. Oh, and then okay. they're not spread. All right. Yeah, the vendor area is all around it. Okay. And do you know where those are kind of laid, like, positioned ahead of time? So when you're looking at the room, your, your priority group happens, and you're deciding where you want to actually choose in the, uh, your booth yeah. in the room. Do you know where like the breakers are going to be in like the events stage or whatever is going to be in the layout? Yeah, you do. Okay. Which helps a lot, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, the lottery thing was the the last question I had for this for the like what is the national in regards to sports cards in comparison to TCG stuff? Is there anything else you want to go over before the event like really kicks off? Um, like we. <laughs> 
I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm really interested to see what we can do for the after like wrap up. Yep. You know what I see, what kind of lessons can be learned, stuff like that. So, but nothing for now. Okay. I I think the last thing just to to mention is that when you go to events like this, uh, like a comic, like not a comic con, it's got to be a big one. So like San Diego and New York, yeah. there are industry after parties that oh, yes. some people are privy to based on either who they know or who they are, mm-hmm. etc. So those are going on all the time. The reason we weren't able to record last night was because there were a couple going on that we were holding off on. Yeah, uh, and a lot of them, it's where a lot of like industry insider stuff ta- happens. I mean, there's literally some of them where you're required to sign an NDA before you go in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because that's what they're discussing there, and it's obviously pretty cool. Uh, but it is, you know, no flash photography, no talking about it, anything like that. Yeah. It's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. This, uh, this is something that we talked about. I asked you in particular if, if, if you made it into the one that we were talking about, if you would be able to take uh, photos, because even I, who have, I have not gone to any of this stuff, do know that you do get hit by NDAs, or sometimes they will say, you are not the ones to post this. We will be posting it, mm-hmm. so hold off until we do it, and then that's the okay for you. But until we yeah. do, do not um, kind of stuff. And this is what happens at industry events. This isn't really something that happens necessarily at Magic Fests or TCG cons. There was the like paid for stuff at um, the last Pro Tour, I think. Yeah. Where you could like go out to dinner or whatever and meet Moreau and stuff like that. Like that was. Yeah, there. like, you know, like networking kind of deal. Yeah. But nothing that's like, hey, here's a sneak preview of our next set. Here's yeah. how we're going to shoot the value of this game in the foot with the next set. The closest thing uh, we got was Hascon. Yeah. Um, Which happened once and never again. Yep, seemingly. So. Yeah. I guess that that is another marked difference between the national and like some of the just ancillary TCG stuff that goes on. But um, yeah. That'll that basically for me puts a button on the on the part one the the pre national show. Uh, yeah. You said you got nothing else, so right. next time Oops. we'll see everybody will be after the national and before Origin. So this is just like back to back to back weekends for you. Yeah, but, uh, before Gen Con actually. Oh, Gen Con. Sorry, we did Origins already. Gen Con sucks. Sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. So for <laughs> at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube, I am at halt. I am Reptar. You are. Thirsty Sizzler. We'll see you next week. Deuces.